what she gets tired of is people calling her literally like every day or every week. And she said it gets to a point of being pesty. So, um, so that's why I say a rule of thumb, four weeks. However, I have an, another thing is if you have like at the gig, the owner or whoever booked you comes up to you and says, oh my word, this was amazing. You know, I, we really want to get you here again. I wouldn't wait more than like a week. Now you might even be able to book on the spot. I have had that a few times where you can ask them and all you can do is just ask, don't demand, but just say, hey, would, would you want to even put something on the calendar now? Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hey, this is Bree Noble, and I am so glad you're tuned in to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast today, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my free Musician's Profit Path Masterclass, the five-stage blueprint for creating massive growth in your fan base and sustainable income for your music career. If you feel overwhelmed by everything you think you need to do for your music career, or you've watched other musicians and tried to do what they're doing, but it hasn't worked for you, well, don't worry. That's why I created the five stages of music career growth. So you can figure out where you're at right now, learn exactly what you should be focusing on and what you shouldn't be focusing on so you don't waste time and money. I also give you benchmarks to reach in several key areas like live performing, fan base growth, social media, recording, and more. So join me for my free masterclass, The Musician's Profit Path, over at musiciansprofitpath.com. Free classes are running every day, so go register at musiciansprofitpath.com. So I am so excited today to be talking about building long-term relationships with music venues. And we've been kind of talking about booking a lot lately on the show and just in general, because I've got something really cool coming up that I want to be sure to mention right at the top of the show. My friend Tara B, which is hanging, who's hanging out with me right now, she is doing a free four day training called book like a boss that will teach you how to confidently book in maybe some new venues that you've never considered, learn how to price yourself and confidently value your talent and just become a booking boss. So if you <laughs> want to, to start doing that, uh, it's totally free and it is at femmusician.com slash Tara B. That's F as in female, E as an entrepreneur, musician.com slash Tara B. So just wanted to mention that right up front. Make sure that I get that in before we get into all the juicy stuff about <laughs> booking and building relationships. So um, Tara's been on the show before, but I want to make sure she uh, just tells you a little bit about her in case you don't know who she is. And um, then talk a little bit about why we should be building, thinking about these relationships with venues as long term. So Tara, you can jump right in. I'm going to jump into the comments and see who's <laughs> okay. here and all that stuff. Well, awesome. Thank you, Bree. I'm so happy to be here this morning. Um, I realize it might be noon for some of you, but a lot of us are in. Um, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I'm so in California. In the- so for me, right. it's 9 a.m. <laughs> That's right. 
So um, I am a full-time musician. I have been um, for over, uh, well, I guess 20 something years, 25 years, 30 years. I've actually been booking since I was 15 because I grew up in a musical family and we started doing gigs early. And so, um, but I, I started booking in the days when, you know, no internet, you had to send out um, letters, <laughs> cassette tapes, things like that. Wow. So you're I really, really dating yourself. I know I am. I am, but it, it's true. And let me just say this with all the booking through the years I've done. Um, it's taken me a really long time to learn a lot of the things that I'll share today. So, but yeah, I'm a full-time musician. I do about 170 gigs a year. That's just kind of averaging, um, which is a lot. I also do a little bit of teaching voice and piano, um, but the gigs that full-time gig stuff really has been for about the last nine years where that has been my main income. And, um, and I, I, I can't say that I just love the actual act of booking. I don't know if anybody does, but I have definitely found some things that have helped me. And, um, and I, I really look forward to even helping some of you that end up taking the four days to book like a boss. Um, but I just wanted to start out by saying, you know, sometimes with booking, I, I, I don't think I even really thought about this till maybe five, six years ago, where it was the sense one day of like, you know what, this is an ongoing thing. Like I am never not going to be booking if I want to get gigs. And that thought at the time kind of discouraged me like, oh my gosh, I have to keep this up. But on the other hand, it was sort of this like, well, but I want to do shows. And I, I really hadn't thought through that building of relationships at that point. Like I had sort of been building them, but I don't think it was a goal or a strategy. And now what I'm realizing is we really, if we want to be full-time musicians, and especially if we want to get gigs, um, we have to look at it in a way of a long-term process, which is sometimes hard because there's a lot of waiting involved in even the booking. But that long-term strategy helps us to go you know what, I'm going to get to know these people who I'm booking with. And as I've found through the years, when you do, it's a lot easier to get a rebooking from someone that you've built a relationship with. You know, it's no different than having friendships with people and how we build that through the years. So I think it's really important to just focus and think long-term if you can, because sometimes it's easy to just want to grab a gig here and there. And, um, and I think, but it really think it's important to have that long-term of like, how can I build relationships so that I keep getting gigs? And then, cause I'll be honest, I don't spend as much time booking as I did 10 years ago. And I even five years ago. And I think that's because I've built relationships through the years. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. Like we don't want to spend as much time now as we did when we first started, because hopefully right. we've been building something all this time. We've been building this asset, right? Right. So first I just want to say hi to people showing up here. Hi to Adam and Lisa and Avelia and Pam. Great to see you guys today. Yay. Um, and if you have any questions along the way, you guys just throw them in the chat and I will be checking in here all the time. Oh, great to see Bianca and Christina. Um, people showing up constantly. Awesome. Great. You guys. Yay! <laughs> so I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you, Tara, I kind of wanted to go through like through the cycle of like your experience with a venue to mm -hmm. see how you are building those relationships and being conscious of it throughout the way. And I kind of want to relate it to, you know, you guys, when we build relationships with fans, right. It, it's a lot harder to get a new fan to start liking your music and start coming to your shows than it is 
to have a fan that you already have gained that loves your stuff to get them to come to more shows and get them to buy more things. So we want to think about this, building these relationships uh, with venues in the same way. You know, you have to go through a lot of work to get that venue the first time, but then hopefully if they love you and you've done a lot of these steps that Tara is going to talk about, then you can continue that relationship and you won't have to work hard to continue uh, doing venue, you know, doing gigs at that venue and building that relationship over time. So what is kind of the, the communication that you have with the venue from like, say, when you first get the gig through to the actual gig itself? Well, I think, um, you know, even I'll even go back one step further before I actually get the gig. Um, when I'm even initially calling or emailing, I just really try to keep in mind now of being kind and respectful and realize that I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm taking part of their time. So even for my first email or my first phone call, I just want to be as kind and friendly and keep things short. But as you do that and you keep following up with people, you know, as much as you can put a smile on your face when you're talking on the phone, but just be as, as, as kind as you can. And even in the, the words that you use, be respectful of their time so that you're not pushing tons of stuff against them and being demanding. Um, and when you finally do get a gig, I, you know, again, try to be as um, short and sweet <laughs> with whatever you're doing, but be kind of proactive too of even saying like, you know, do I need to get invoices to you? Do you need a contract from me? Like, just be very proactive to help them do what they need to do to help you. So that kind of is before the gig, ask as many questions, as details as you need about the gig, because that also is showing that you really want to come prepared. And then I would say when you're at the gig itself, um, do you want me to go that far, Brie? <laughs> yeah, no, go. That was going to okay. be my next question anyway. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, is just that one of the things that I've been really proactive to is even going and introducing myself to whoever is at the gig, whether it's the person that booked me or someone that's like a receptionist. Cause I actually do a lot of senior places too. So it's not necessarily a venue, like you think of a bar or something like that, but introduce yourself, find out who you need to go to. And even if you're at a venue, like a bar or something, make sure that you are asking them, where would you like me to set up? Um, where do I need to park? How do you want me to come in? What door? Because all those things are showing respect for them and their place. I, I remember having a friend of mine who one time when we were at a gig, she just was like, well, I think we can set up over here. And I said, let's just wait till the lady gets here who booked us. And it ended up, we needed to set up a different place. And so you just want to make sure that you're following through with what they want, especially that first gig you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And even to the point of saying like, you know, is there anywhere you'd like me to put my extra stuff? Cause a lot of times we have like, uh, like for me, I was a keyboardist, right? So I have a gigantic yeah. case. case you yeah. know? <laughs> Sometimes we just aren't thinking cause we're so worried about getting set up and we've got this, like all this mess, like over in the corner, you know, maybe they yes. that there, they want you to put it in a certain place and, you know, be sure and ask them, like, you know, I want the stage to look tidy and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, th I think even at the end of the gig, you know, again, make sure that you're um, obviously talking to your audience and stuff, but make sure you just go back, thank the person again for everything they've done. Um, you might want to send follow up thank yous, whether it's an email or a phone call or an actual snail mail kind of thing. I think that says a lot, too, about just saying we really appreciate the business you've given us because this is a business transaction. And I think it's important to to start off on the right foot for that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then, so I want to get into the follow-up in a minute. Um, sure. We've got a good question here. Um, and I want to say hi to Tracy and, um, and Audra and Carol. Awesome. Hey, how to see you. Nice to Yay. see you, Carol. Um, <laughs> so uh, Bianca said, and this is like a huge can of worms, so we can't really go into this. And this is why you want to take Tara's training because she talks about this, but she's asking, do you call venues out of the blue without knowing anyone there? Um, and I'll answer that and we'll talk about this in the training next week, but yes, I have done a ton of calling people or emailing. It's just, again, when, what I would do is, um, do some research about the place. Don't just like jump in and say, Hey, I want to sing at your place. And this is great. Um, I, I would find out something about their place like that you like or that appeals to you or something you have in common or why you think you'd be a good fit there, but you need to find common ground. It's no different than trying to sounds funny, but date someone. Like if someone asked you for a date and you have nothing in common, you, there probably won't be a second date <laughs> if you can think back to that. Um, but it's the same thing. You just want to find a lot of commonness and, and it's okay. I, I've gotten a good portion of my gigs um, from cold calls or cold emails, if you want to call them that way. So yeah, it's just if, like you said, if you can if you can come up with something specific to talk to them about their venue or compliment them about, you know, if you have a chance, go to their venue and enjoy a show there. Yes. And that's it, even better. You know, yeah. Get, you know, you can't always do that. Right. But mm -hmm. it's just like when we talk about, you know, getting on radio shows or getting on podcasts or anything, have something to say to them, like, Hey, I listened to your show and I loved your interview with X, Y, Z, you know, same thing. I went to your venue and I loved it when you had this artist, and I loved how you, you know, did something that was different at that venue, you know, whatever it is, like say it's, it's a winery. And I loved how you, you know, served us wine while we were able to enjoy the, the artists. I just thought of that because I know Tara does wineries uh, <laughs> and breweries and fun stuff like that. But, you know, come up with something very specific you can talk to them about when you're, when you're pitching. So let's go to the, the aftermath. So you did mention about, you know, sending them something afterward, a little note, mm -hmm. um, is how do you handle the follow-up? Do you set up some kind of like system to when you're going to contact them again to see like, could I get some kind of a follow-up gig? How do you, how do you go about that? And like, how aggressive are you? That's a great question. And um, I have kind of a couple answers for it. I have a general rule of thumb where I will call people four weeks after I do a gig. Mm. Now, and, and this, this is if I feel like at least it was a decent gig, the crowd liked me. Um, well, even if I don't know exactly what happened, I will try to because I'm just persistent. But I, I wait four weeks just because I want to give it a little bit of time and not be pushy. Um, because I have had uh, places. In fact, there was a lady, I just interviewed her this last year, but she books for a um, community center. And she said that she always keeps her musicians on hands. Like when she's had them play, she keeps all the information about them. What she gets tired of is people calling her literally like every day or every week. And she said it gets to a point of being pesty. So, um, so that's why I say a rule of thumb, four weeks. However, I have an another thing is if you have like at the gig, the owner or whoever booked you comes up to you and says, oh my word, this was amazing. You know, I, we really want to get you here again. I wouldn't wait more than like a week. Now you might even be able to book on the spot. I have had that a few times where you can ask them 
And all you can do is just ask, don't demand, but just say, Hey, would, would you want to even put something on the calendar now? But if, if they're not comfortable doing that, I would wait about a week. So you're still fresh in their mind and then follow up with them. So again, you have to kind of read the person that booked you. You have to do a little, be a little bit of a sleuth and kind of think like, how did I come across to them? If they're not offering you another gig that day or not even saying we want you back, don't necessarily take that as a rejection. Just realize that maybe they liked it because maybe your crowd loved it and tells them and they might tell the, mm. the booker afterwards, but you don't know about that. So just give it a little bit of time and try that four weeks. In general, I, t- I tend to try to do follow-ups four weeks because you're, you're giving them enough space. So you're not going to be a pest, but you're also... Um, you know, you're still, you're still proactive because. Yeah. And I I think that's a good point. I think about like my, my hairdresser, you know, when you're sitting there in the chair and you're getting your hair done and you're almost done and you're looking at yourself and you look amazing. And then she's (laughs) like, Hey, did you want to book your next appointment? And mine does this because, well, number one, she knows that I usually do because she books up quickly. So mm-hmm. I want to get it on the calendar, but I'm not like, oh my gosh, I just paid you a hundred dollars. And, you know, I'm not thinking <laughs> like that. I'm thinking, yeah, I probably do. Cause I look awesome. So, you know, I don't think they're at all going to be offended if you just throw that out there. Yep. They say, well, we need to check our schedule and stuff. It's like, no problem. I'll just check back with you in a few weeks and that's it. And the conversation's over, but I don't think there's anything wrong with asking in a very casual way at the gig. Yes. And I'm, I'm glad that, that you mentioned that because that's absolutely true. Um, so Tracy said, what about hiring a booking company? What is your opinion about this rather than booking yourself? It's a great question too. And I, I know that it works. Um, I know people that have like a booking agent or they go through places even like Gig Salad or I can't think of some of the other ones right now. But um, the reason I'm glad you brought this up, Tracy, because I actually, and this is partly because I've done booking myself for this many years. I did try to hire a manager at one point, like in the nineties, but that I I found that at least in my situation, I didn't feel like the lady was totally in my court. And so if you do have someone that's booking for you, you just want to make sure that they are absolutely going to be in your court and, and be getting things for you because they can slack off and, you know, maybe they have a couple of artists on their roster. Well, you don't know how much time they're giving. The other thing that I don't like about that and prefer with booking myself is that as an artist yourself, you get to build that relationship with the person you're booking with. And I think that that's, it can become a close relationship. Even I'm not talking like your best friends, but you have this, it's easier to get gigs with people that you know, and they feel like they can trust you. So you're building that relationship. I have a place that um, it's actually pretty close to where I live. And I think I've been singing there for about 10 or 11 years, but, and they've gone through even different activities directors. It's a senior place, but they have basically said to me, everyone I've worked with, they're like, you know, we love you. We love that you're flexible. You're willing to come. And we just want to keep booking you for as long as we can. But that's also because I've gotten to know the lady there, especially now. And we have a really good relationship. So I just think that when you get to build it one-on-one, they, they trust you. And what also happens is I found this out. Um, sometimes with these places where they have cancellations, sometimes then you're the go-to person because you've mm-hmm. built such a great relationship. I had that happen twice in the last, well, couple of months, but you know, they, they had a cancellation and said, can you fill in? 
So I, yeah, I just probably a lot less likely to do that if you have a booking agent and then there's mm-hmm. middleman thing, they'll be like, Oh, well they can't respond quickly. Right. You know, cause I have to go through this middleman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that as artists, I mean, I, I understand the desire to want someone to do your booking for you. Like mm-hmm. as Tara said, like it's never any of our favorite things to do book, <laughs> but there is, there are so many benefits to the relationships that you can create. And if you watched Beth last week on the show, she talked about how great it was to like get to know these people and build relationships with them. And that was really fun for her. And that was something that she didn't realize would be fun. She was dreading it. She didn't think that she wanted to make those phone calls. But once she got past that initial stage and she started building the relationships with people, she really enjoyed it. So you never know. You might actually, I know that, you know, for myself, I definitely made relationships with people over the years that I booked with. Um, and then they always invited me back. Like I was the go-to when they were doing something new, they were doing a retreat. They were doing a, Oh, we're doing this year. We're doing this Christmas event that we never did before. Who do they think of first? They think of me because I built a relationship with them. Which that is so awesome because that's exactly what you want. You want to be the first one in their mind. (laughs) You sure do. You sure do. So I want to say hi to Catherine and Anjali that have shown up um, along here. And so I've got like one question before we jump into any other questions from you guys. So if you have any questions, throw them into the chat. Um, But I know that we had a conversation, Tara, about uh, like what happens when people don't ask you back and how do you still build that relationship when you're a little bit like you feel a little slighted and how do you not... <laughs> damage that or burn bridges. So maybe they might still want you back someday. Yeah, it's, um, it's a tough thing. I want to first just say that please don't take it as rejection because you've got to realize that, that first of all, when a place doesn't call you back, most people are, have, have like a million emails that they get every day, phone calls. In addition to their work, people have their own family lives. And so you're not going to be their first priority, even if they loved you. And I think we forget that because it's like, I know for me too, like I'm focused on getting these gigs. So that is my first priority. But we're the center of our own world, but we have to we are. center of their world. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's really important that you just can separate it and go, this is not a rejection. It's just simply I'm out of sight, out of mind. I have had so many people like where I have followed up on something. I might have even followed up maybe four months in a row or five months or six months and I hear nothing. And then like the seventh month, I call them or email and they're like, oh, I'm so glad that you've kept at it because we actually do want to book you. It's just been so busy or so you, you can't take that as a rejection. Also, um, this is something that just came up recently for me that I hadn't even thought about. Some places, they might not completely understand what you offer music-wise, or maybe you offer one thing like you've sung for them before, but maybe they're looking for background music and they don't know if you can provide that. Um, I had a, a place, well, last year, I had a couple of places at Christmas that I couldn't take gigs and they were because I was already booked up, but they had had just wanted background piano and I play piano and some of them knew that about me. But what I did was I suggested my brother who plays guitar. Now he doesn't just, and he plays upright bass too, but he plays like classical guitar, not just like strumming his instrument. It's, it's really um, intricate and he knows his, 
his instruments really well. And so I offered that to them. And then I asked him later, I said, did they call you? And he said, no, they didn't because they just wanted probably wanted piano or something. And so you can't, what I guess I'm saying is sometimes you need to actually explain what you're offering to people or try to ask questions to find out what they're actually looking for, because you might still be able to fill the gig. You know what I'm saying with your abilities, but it just, they might, you know, get like, if you play guitar or something and they want background music, they might think like, well, that doesn't, it's not conducive to the background, but you can, if you tell them and explain like, well, I can actually pick or I can do this. It might help them realize like, oh, that could be really pretty. So right. sometimes yeah, you have to educate. Getting the, the ambiance of what you would create maybe mm -hmm. you set the scene for them. So I was going to ask you like these gigs that you didn't get because you couldn't book them because you were already booked, which is always yeah. a good problem to have, but that at Christmas, <laughs> you know how it gets, right? So yeah. did you then follow up with them the next year, like earlier on to be like, well, you know, I couldn't do it last year, but in case you need me this year, if you book now, I have space. Yeah. And I actually, I have, um, and some of them I've waited till now because October actually can be a good month for these last minute people. And these were last minute people last year, uh, like, cause they talked about that. They didn't know their budget until later for that month. So, but yes, you do want to follow up. And, um, what was I thinking about with the follow-up too? Oh, I can't remember. Escape me. <laughs> it's it, there, there goes my 49 year old brain. <laughs> I get it. I get yeah. it. So with the, um, cause I know we talked about, there was one place that didn't have you back. Oh. And then all of a sudden, three years later, something happened. Yeah. yeah sorry. That's actually where I was going to go. Oh, Thank good. You. Okay. <laughs> so there's actually two places this last year. Okay. In January, I raised my prices. I just raised them like $25 a gig. So it wasn't really that much, but I knew that that could turn some people off and I might lose some gigs, which I did lose some, like where I keep calling and they just never called back and whatever. You can't, that's why you have to call a lot of places too, so that you don't get discouraged by the ones that don't. But specifically two places, both I had been playing for at least seven to eight years um, when I told them about my price range. And I explained everything, why I was raising the price. And they basically said, no, we can't go that high. We just can't. And one place even said, you know, you're our favorite performer, but we can't. And I kind of thought, okay. <laughs> but so I, in, instead of getting all out of sorts about it, um, I just thanked them. I wrote email because they had responded with emails and I wrote emails back and basically said, thank you so much for the business that you've given me over the years. I so appreciate it. If you ever have, you know, room for something where your budget can be a little bit more, I'd be happy to. And I just left it at that and not expecting to hear from them one iota. And a month ago, both places emailed me. One wanted me for a gig this Christmas because they had a bigger budget. And the other one wants me for next year, a couple of times at the new price. So right. I don't even know why, but you know what I mean? It's like, it can happen. It's, it's, well, sometimes it's, they need time to adjust. They need to be like, okay, obviously we need to adjust our expectations. We can't expect to get good music. I mean, it could be that they hired some other musicians at a lower price and they're like, yeah, we can tell the difference in quality, you know? <laughs> Right. Right. I, who knows, but I just think that not burning the bridge too is really important. So absolutely. Very much so. So Bianca says, um, have you ever used gigmore.com? I've never heard of that one or any other booking. So like, have you used gig salad, Tara? I know some other people in my community have. 
I have not. Um, some of the women I've talked to that have used it have had mixed reviews of it. Like I've I, heard I the think, same thing too. Like sometimes yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, how do I say this? Like people fishing for things that don't actually want to pay what they want to pay, you know, what they yes. should pay. Yes. That kind of thing. That's a good way to say it. <laughs> But there are plenty of, there's, there's plenty of legitimate gigs on there, but yes. sometimes people go on there and they're like, well, this person says that they charge 250, but I don't, I really don't want to pay that, but I may as well ask for a quote anyway, you know? Right. Exactly. So, but you know, I definitely think they're, they're good. They are, there are definitely good places and there are really legitimate things on there. The question is, you know, maybe you try it out for free for a while and see if you get anything. Right. And you can do it in addition to your own booking. You know, right. you don't have to limit yourself to just doing your own. Booking. And I, yeah, I wouldn't, first of all, I would definitely do it in combination with your own booking mm-hmm. don't just gig salad and think you're going to book up your schedule because it's completely random. Sometimes people get asked for like seven quotes a month and some months they get zero. Right. Right. <laughs> you have to keep right. filling the pipeline and you can't expect other people to fill it for you. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to share something too, just while we have time, because I, I know you, I don't want to keep you guys today either, but um, I, you know, I've, I've been sharing a few things of like, well, this is how you can build great relationships, but I have to tell you ladies that, or guys too, sorry, I know there's some guys on here too, um, that I haven't always been so great about my communication with people. I mean, I, I, it, I've learned how to do it because I've made a lot of mistakes and I tend to be kind of um, a feisty person if I don't get paid on time. <laughs> and, <laughs> And part of it is, you know, this is my only living. I'm not married. So it's the only income I have in and I budget according to every month, you know, how many gigs I have. And so it's, it's really important to be paid on time so I can pay my bills. But, um, what I've, I just wanted to share a story of where I really screwed it up and <laughs> what you can do if that happens to you. Cause maybe some of you are more like me. I mean, some of you might be really great at communicating and creating peace. And some of you might be a little more feisty, but, um, I had last year, I played at a library and the libraries have grants that somehow pay us. Um, they come through a grant. So I had the person that booked me who was really nice, but the person who does the actual grant part, she was the one that sent me like the contracts and things like that. I had never met her. It was just all email. And what happened was after I played that specific gig, I didn't, um, I didn't get my check. Like it was, I thought I'd come within a week, two weeks, we're almost up to three weeks. And I'm like, I really need that check. And so I was so frustrated. My response to her on email was really, I would call it demanding. And I, I mean, I really, it's not like I swore at her or something, but I, I just, I know the tone of my email was not very nice. It was sort of like, where's my check? When's it coming? You know, and she responded back, but she was kind of saying, Hey, it's out of my hands. I'm so sorry. You know, and I just still didn't, I had, we had a couple emails that from my point of view, for me was not good. Hers were fine. And then I had this realization of like, oh my gosh, I totally screwed up here. That was really uncalled for. You know how you can get riled up? Yes. And I think, I think it's really important to not. And you feel that. justified too. So you keep, you do. Do. if I had my check, I wouldn't be riled up. Yeah. Right. And, and so my, I did a reaction and I just want to encourage you guys respond. Don't react because um, what happened was when I finally realized that it was like, Oh shoot, I screwed this up. And so I wrote her an email and I apologized. I just said, I'm so sorry. I did not need to say those words to you in that way. Um, you know, basically 
I was really frustrated. Like I was honest, but I said, I, I know you can't do anything about it. And so I just appreciate any help you can give me. And the cool thing is now this may not always work because sometimes if you damage a relationship, it's damaged. But what happened with her anyway is I've worked with her now three other times for three other library gigs. And she's not only being kind in the emails and I'm trying to be super respectful, but she's even being complimentary now. So mm-hmm. it's, and she's going to bat for me. So it's like, wow, you can change things around even if you screw it up. And I've done plenty of that. So save yourself, respond, don't react. <laughs> and some of you probably do that beautifully anyway. You're more prone to that. So, but you know, it's, we're not always even keel, right? If we're having a bad no. day, if like kids <laughs> are frustrating us, or if we just looked in the bank and we're like, yeah, we need that check yesterday. Right. You know, it's hard to be. <laughs> He responded correctly. So we're all human. So it's good to keep that in mind. I wanted to um, throw in a few things that people said in the chat here, which are really sure. Carol said that two years ago, they had a a library gig in Queens and they were, they weren't recon, they were recontacted now just this new June, like after two years and they wanted to pay them double. Wow. You never know. Yeah. That's awesome. You never know. And Catherine said that she just got a gig at a venue that she played at four years ago. And she followed up with them once every six months. And she figured as long as they didn't say no, she'd keep following yes. up with them, right? Yes. And yes. so now she got this gig that's happening this weekend. Even oh, I love that. It took four years, but it's, and it sounds like a lot, right? It sounds like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. do I have to follow up with these people to get a gig four years from now? But if you've got a system that Tara yeah. teaches you and you're, you know, we're talking about one email every six months. It took her all of five minutes, right? But now she got this gig. And so it's just about continuing to feed the pipeline. Yes. And, and having enough, which is one thing in four days to book like a boss, I'm going to talk to you about is just finding enough gigs and enough places to call. Cause if you're calling tons, you're not going to feel that rejection either of having to wait. Cause some gigs you'll book and some gigs you'll book later. It's a numbers game. It is a numbers game. And it's, it's hard Mm -hmm. to think about that way when you're getting a rejection, but if you do it enough, you will get some really great gigs and then you will forget about those rejections at least for a while (laughs) until you get another one and then you'll get some, you know, good ones. So it's like, it's all about the law of averages and being a numbers game and knowing that you will get a certain percentage of those gigs. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Lisa said um, her band is kids family oriented and she's wondering about pricing. And I'm just going to say, I suggest that you come to Tara's free training because she does an entire day yes. on pricing. And she helps you build your pricing, knowing, you know, what you do, what you're worth. Like it's different for everybody, mm-hmm. but like she bases it on a lot of different factors. So if you come to the training, then you will be able to kind of build your own pricing matrix and, and be able to, the great thing is to be able to defend that. If somebody says, well, why are you charging this? Well, you know, here's what goes into my pricing. And so you've already thought through all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to say that Hector said, thanks guys. This is really good information. Um, and Jolly was wondering if you're a soloist or a band or you work with a band. Um, I am a soloist mostly, but I also have had a, I had a duo, a girls duo for t- uh, nine years. <laughs> what am I thinking? And I'm actually singing my, the brother I talked about. Um, I'm actually singing with him again as a duo here and there. So, and I have sung with bands before, but I, a lot of my work is solo. Um, but I know it's possible with even bands to get gigs. It's just finding the right niche and, and venue that 
you can start building relationship with. Yep, absolutely. And good morning to Kaz. Um, I want to address Tracy's question because this is really, I mean, not, it wasn't a question, but it's, she says that she's doing it every day for two hours. She's sending out emails and you know that you're so right that you just need to feed the pipeline. So good job for you doing that, Tracy. That's awesome. Yeah, I did awesome. want to say um, about that, like as far as emails or calling, because I think that a lot of people that I've worked with have had different experiences with email. What, what is your experience with email, Tara? Do you tend to start with email or do you tend to start with phone call and then go to email? It's a great question. Um, most of the time I start with calling. And part of that is I think, now this is a blessing you guys because your singers, usually singers have pretty great expressive voices. I mean, we tend to talk more expressively. So use it to your advantage. Um, I, I, but I will tell you that there are some people that contact me and they contact on email. So that's where I go to. I also know on Facebook, like when we go to people's pages now, there's direct messaging. So I will do that. I think though, you have to do a variety of it. And what I tell people a lot of times is, you know, call the first time, then email them the second time, if you hear nothing or vice versa, you know, just try different things. Cause you don't know which way they would rather have communication. Right. I have some people we call, we always call when we talk. I have other people, they only email me. So you, you just don't know, just whatever you do, um, be intentional about it and maybe try a different way, especially if it's a new place until you get a hold of them. And I always say like the one lady had said that here too, but until you get a no, a, like a firm, no, you don't know, you might still get a yes. Yep. Yep. And I think that's a really good point of mixing that up as far as calling and emailing. I think that, I mean, I'm not going to put this on all of you guys, but for me, I always wanted to email because I was too scared to call. Right. But calling is so important. I think most of the time with a lot of the students I work with, when they just start with email, a lot of times they just get no response and you don't know what's happening in the background. It could be that it's going in their spam folder or their promotions folder, or could be that some, you know, that, a, that an administrative assistant is passing it off to somebody and they're too busy to read it. You know what I mean? You don't know if you're calling, you know, exactly what's happening, right? You're speaking to someone, you're having a conversation. And, you know, I thought about this other thing because Beth had done this and I thought it was brilliant. Um, and it, and it motivated her more. She went to places. Now I know yeah. we can't do that if they're like way far away or whatever, but sometimes, or if, if you just feel maybe you're a little bit more extroverted or you just would rather really talk to people, go in person. If you have the time to, you know, maybe you take one day and you go to four different places and you never know, you may book on the spot like Beth did. <laughs> so yeah, totally. And play to your strengths. Like some people yes. are just not as good on the phone as they are in person. Exactly. Some people are better writers. You know, if you know that you're not that good of a writer, you probably shouldn't go with email first. Right. Um, so Jennifer is asking about electronic press kit. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm assuming that you use one of those, Tara. I know I always did and I recommend it. But that's once you get to the email stage where you can usually you're talking to them on the phone and then it's like, hey, I've got, you know, yes. I can send you this information so you can kind of hear my music and that kind of stuff. Yep. And I, and I finally, I'll be honest, I just switched my whole website over. I was on WordPress and I finally switched over to Banzoogle. She finally <laughs> took finally. the or whatever and switched over to Banzoogle. Awesome. Which I would just highly recommend, but, um, cause it's just so easy and the press kit is right there for you. It's like all done for you practically. So, but yes, the press kit definitely comes after the email. Cause you can't usually tell people 
Um, a lot of times I won't even, sometimes I'll leave the name of my website on a phone, but it's harder for people because they're listening. They're not writing it down. So yes, yes, for sure. And if your name is hard to spell like yours, is. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I go by therapy. It's so ridiculous, but anyway. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been so good. And thank you guys for all your questions. They've been really great there. You're going to get the chance to ask a million more questions and Tara will respond to them directly. If you join her book, like a boss training, and it's starting next Monday, the 22nd. And so you want to jump in before that. So you make sure and get, you get little assignments every day. Trust me, they will only take you a few minutes. They're not like overwhelming. It's not like taking a class, but it's just bite-sized enough that you really are able to make some real progress and, and make some, you know, momentum and you're booking just in four days. So, and one of those days is the whole pricing, figuring out your pricing, which I think is really, really valuable. So um, one day you talk about different kinds of venues that you can, um, that you can find that you might not have thought of uh, anything else you want to say about the training, Tara? Um, just that it's, yeah, it's four days. Um, when you sign up, and make sure you do sign up because I do send all the homework assignments via email. So you want to, and when you see your email, check your spam folders. Cause once in a while it'll go into like promotional folders or spam or whatever. So make sure you look for that. Cause you guys will be getting, for those of you who have already signed up by next Monday morning, you will be getting your first email and kind of homework assignment. And then I'll be going live every day on video. I think it's at, um, one o'clock. I'm in central standard time. So I'll always put that it is that, but I think I'm going live every day at 1 PM, um, central standard. So be sure to join me in the Facebook group and that you can sign up for, um, when you first sign up, there'll be another link to just click. You'll see it. It'll say to sign up, but it's called four days to book like a boss. If you somehow miss it, you can still find it here. Cool. And I put the link in here. It's femmusician.com slash Tara B. And I put it into the chat area here. Um, so go sign up for that. You're going to love it. Like she hangs out in that group for those four days and helps you with all the questions that you have as you're doing your assignments. And mm -hmm. she, um, like I said, she goes live on video. So you can ask her questions during that time as well. Um, let's see. I just want to see what Carol said. Um, cool. So Carol said the same thing. They just happened to be in the area of a place that they wanted to book and they just dropped by and they got booked right away. So <laughs> I, I recommend you guys try this because it seems to really work. Yeah. Well, awesome. and then they, they can see you, you know, yeah. helps when people can see yeah, you. Yeah, and if, if it's like <laughs> what happened with Beth, they happened to have a piano right there and she just started <laughs> playing and singing. So you never know what's going to happen. You know, it could be yeah. magic. Yeah. So thank you guys awesome. so much. This has been so fun. I really appreciate you showing up. This is actually our uh, season finale of Indie Interactive. We kind of had like a 10 week season and we are kind of stopping Indie Interactive for the next while, um, just to give me a break on Monday morning. So, um, but it's, I, I can't think of a better way uh, to have a finale for this because it's been really, really amazing all that you've shared today. Just go Thank to you. like a boss people, femmusician.com slash Tara B. And, um, we will see you inside the training. I usually come and hang out and, and, and uh, you know, learn from Tara too. We can always <laughs> learn more about booking. So uh, have a great day, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com.
with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.